Excuse me. 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 Hello, everybody, and welcome to Morgan Dorks. This is a bi-weekly Daria podcast where we take an in-depth look at our favorite animated teenage misanthrope episode by episode. I'm Rob Press. And I'm Nissa Lee. And you're probably wondering what we're doing in your podcast feed in an off week, especially when we have enough trouble showing up there in our on weeks. <laughs> and uh, the answer to that question is we actually have a pretty lovely surprise for y'all today. Uh, we are... Delighted, honored, uh, a little bit giddy <laughs> to <laughs> welcome to the show, Karen Disher. Woohoo! Uh, thank you so hey, much hey. for joining us. Hello. It is a pleasure to be here. Oh, man. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so if you're not aware, Karen Disher was supervising director of Daria seasons two through five, I believe. Um, directed both of the Daria movies as well as the musical episode. Mm-hmm. If I'm okay, I'm just I'm checking that to make is all sure. Correct, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also directed a handful of seasons or a handful of episodes in season one, if I remember. Yep. Correctly. That is and correct. ticking all and, those boxes. All right. Yeah, <laughs> You've done your research, sir. <laughs> uh, and in addition, she actually designed the characters. Uh, we have her to thank for Daria and Jane's iconic looks, uh, and possibly Quinn's baby tea. <laughs> Um, I don't think I can take credit for the baby tea, I have to say. But her face, oh, yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Um, Post-Daria, uh, Ms. Disher went to Blue Sky Studios, where she was, among many other things, a story artist for the Ice Age movies and the Peanuts movie, which, awesome. <laughs> um, head of story for Rio and an occasional voice actor. You may have heard her as Mother Bird in Rio or in the Ice Age movies as the voice of Scrat, I believe, the femme fatale flying squirrel love interest of the acorn obsessed. Yes, that would be Scrat-A. Scrat-A, <laughs> scrat okay. She's very fancy. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely fantastic. Thank you again so much for joining us uh, today for this. This is incredible stuff. We're, I love that we're going to get to talk to you about this. Yeah, no, I'm super excited. And I'm going to let Rob, uh, fanboy over here, <laughs> get a <laughs> breath and ask you the first question. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I just tease, you know. Um, but um, so you arrived at MTV Studios around the mid-90s, a few years before Daria went into production. Can you tell us how you ended up working on the show? Yeah, so um, I went to NYU in New York City and studied animation and film. And I got super lucky that my first job out of college was as a layout artist on Beavis and Butthead. So it was 1994. I had just graduated. Uh, I think Beavis was entering, they were finishing up season three. So the show was already this huge hit, right? It was super popular. I was a fan. So, um, you know, I just basically walked in. I had made these kind of gross out, sick and twisted student films um, <laughs> that were a bit crude. That was sort of my sense of humor. But I think based on that, they were like, all right, uh, 
you'll fit right in here perfectly. So I started as a layout artist and, um, you know, it was just the dream of a lifetime to, to be there in the mix at that time. I was like 21, you know, and then, um, I guess a few years into that. So I was there in 94, 95, they put out a call to the studio, like, Hey, you know, we're going to spin off Daria into her own show. And, we want her to look different. We don't want to use the same Beavis and Butthead style. We want her to have left town, moved somewhere different, and to, to be stylistically a little different. So basically, they just put out a call to the artists in the studio at the time, like, hey, what do you think she'd look like in her, uh, in her new environment? And so I took her design, her rotation from Beavis, and the first sketch I did of it was basically just kind of going over it but in my own style, which was a little smoother, a little cleaner. Um, there was a specific request to, I believe the phrase was, quote, cleaner up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so not, you know, not just to unrumple her, basically, because if you look at her Beavis design, she's she's very rumply looking and a little kind of sl- a little more slovenly, you might say. So that so it wasn't to change her drastically, but just just clean her up a little bit. Um and just make her a little more, you know, sleek or slick is not the right word. I'm trying to remember what, what the phrasing was. But anyway, so I took that under consideration and 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 just did a quick sketch and turned that in uh, to the people who are gathering everyone's work. And, you know, Susie Lewis uh, was the producer. Glenn Eichler was, was the writer and creator. And they liked what I did. And so then Susie came back to me and said, oh, hey. Yeah, you know, this looks pretty good. Um, what do you think her friend Jane would look like? What do you think her parents would look like? What what would her sister look like? So I went back and like, all right, <laughs> and did a few more sketches, and essentially those ended up being the the character designs you see today. There were two other artists um, whose designs also were sort of influential in it. Uh, Willie Hartland had been doing a a, a brush pen style that was cool that, that I then incorporated into the basic designs I had done. Um, and, uh, Edward Artinian had done the, the version of Kevin that you see today. So, you know, it's like everything in animation. It's, it's all, you know, people can take the main credit for things, but at its heart, it's all very collaborative. You know, you're always bouncing ideas off each other, influencing each other. Uh, but yeah, basically that whole main lineup. Yeah. So Daria Quinn, uh, Jake, Helen, Brittany, uh, let's see, Mr. DiMartino, Mr. O'Neill, who was based on my high school German teacher. Uh, <laughs> really? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, you draw from life. Of course I had to get myself in there. So burnout girl was basically me in high school. Um, and and yeah, oh, that's was, right. That the background character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so that was sort of me. Uh, you know, I, I was I was I'll, I'll say it. I'll confess. I was a bit of a burnout in high school, <laughs> uh, or I hung with that crowd anyway. Let's say. But um, let me think. Yeah. So so that's how it all began. And yeah, I think I think Susie. You know also was drawn to my designs because I was not that long out of high school myself. If you think about it, you know, I was 23 or 24 at the time. Um, so those days were not so far behind me. So I think they were, 
they liked that the style was was coming from someone close to that age. Right. Close to the age yeah. of the demographic that yeah. the audience was. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And actually, our whole crew was really young. It was like Susie was maybe 28 at the time. She wasn't that much older. Um, and a lot of the production managers and producers and artists and staff were very young people. And we were fortunately just kind of left alone. Like we didn't have a ton of oversight. Um, and we're just kind of allowed to make this, this, this thing without a lot of butting in. So I, th- I think that helped. That's really cool. And it's, it speaks, I think, to, um, sort of what makes the show, you know, I, I was mentioning earlier how we've heard from fans from all around the world. Um, and you know, there's something kind of universal about, Hey, being a teenager is kind of weird and kind of sucky. Um, yeah. and you know, it, it makes a lot of sense that, you know, this show that still speaks so powerfully to that uh, was created by a bunch of folks who weren't that far removed from it. Right. Oh, man. It's also, it's uh, awesome and interesting to hear that there was like a conscious effort to set Daria's style apart from Beavis and Buttheads. Because um, I remember, I remember mentioning, I think in the, in the early episodes of the podcast, like, yeah, it's it's a... It is a wildly different art style. <laughs> it is, it is uh, much cleaner. It's just different. You know? Yeah, that was very purposeful. And also, I think, um, you know, because Daria was not really, it was not part of the Beavis universe, right? It was, it was not a Mike Judge production, right? It was, it was separate from him, separate from his style. Um, so they wanted to make that distinction very clear. Right. Um, so after the first season, we mentioned you moved into the role of, of supervising director for mm-hmm. the remainder of the show's run. Um, so what, a, what, a, what does a supervising director do? Like what was your, uh, right. So, so that role is really just ensuring consistency, uh, from episode to episode, right? It's, it's, um, basically, you know, Glenn and Susie had set the style, from the beginning of the first season. Right. And so I came on as an episode director for that and directed, I think five of the first season, which was 12 episodes, I think, or 13. And um, yeah, so they had set a style, like in terms of how much the characters move, you know, how much they emote, how much they act, what, what the camera language is of the show. So all of that stuff had kind of been established and they were very specific about that from the beginning. They, they, you know, these were not to do, to be cartoony poses, right? You know, these weren't, uh, you know, if you look through like classic animation, let's say, you know, there's always the big emphasis on silhouettes. There's, there's sort of the hammy Hanna-Barbera type poses where a character with their hand on their hip and then the other hand out, like they're holding a tray or something, right? <laughs> you know, like Scooby-Doo kind of crap, right? Like that's just, it's such common tropey, classic animation posing and they were very specific from the beginning. We're not doing any of that. We want them to, you know, this, this isn't the show for, for big car chases and crazy camera angles and fast action. It's, it's a, it's a talking show. It's an acting show. It's, it's real and human and subtle and, and kind of anti classic animation, um, you know, tropes and techniques, right? For lack of a better word. So, so as a supervising director, then, you know, you've got different episode directors coming in from everywhere, different storyboard artists. So 
it was my job to, to be the arbiter of style, right? To make sure that every storyboard that came through kept the stylistic language of the show that we had established in season one, to make sure that, you know, the characters weren't doing anything out of character, right? Like, so you wouldn't see Daria um, gesticulating wildly with her hands as she talked or, or even on a specific line of dialogue, like a director might come back or a storyboard artist might come back with a panel where she's smirking a little, or she's got this big, broad smile on her face. And it's like, no, 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 no. She would never do that. So, so that's the, that's the basic job. I mean, beyond that, it's, it's, um, you know, it was uh, reviewing the film when it came back from our overseas studio in Korea. It was uh, doing the editing process, you know, so it's it's sort of nuts to bolts, start to finish, making sure that every episode feels like it's within the same universe and world. I love that as a copy editor. <laughs> that <Yeah>. really <laughs> appeals to me. <laughs> right. Right. And so and I and and so to that it's it's when you're when you're the supervising director, you just by a matter of the the workload you have, you don't really have the bandwidth to then be directing episodes yourself anymore, which is why that kind of had to drop off for me. So it really is this catch 22 because it's like, Oh great. I've got this great big job and it's awesome to, to, you know, have that responsibility and, and to, and, and to be able to carry the show consistently forward. But yet, you're still itching on another level to be getting in there and drawing and directing and like doing the, the other stuff that you love. So, right. So, so it's a mixed bag. <laughs> right. That, that's said you did step back in as director for three of the show's most ambitious efforts, uh, the mm-hmm. two movies and, and the musical episode. So I'm wondering how much did directing a feature length or musical episode of Daria differ from directing a standard episode. Um, were there any other like extra considerations that you had to, that, that needed to be made? Um, you know, not really for the movies, to be honest, because we knew they were always just going to be for TV. They were never going to be, you know, you know, theatrical features or anything like that. Um, I did work on the Beavis and Butthead feature. And so that was a completely different way of working than what we had done in the show, because, that was going to be on the big screen in the theaters. So we had to make it more cinematic uh, with the TV features for Daria. We, we really just stuck with the same um, style. I mean, the biggest changes of course were with the writing. You just had this extra time to kind of get more in depth and have longer arcs and touch base with all the characters in a way you wouldn't in a regular episode. Right now, the musical um, again, I did, our production schedules didn't open up. I don't know about the budgets just because I wasn't involved on that side of things. Um, we certainly didn't have any more time <laughs> to do that than we did anything else. And, but that was fun. Like I, when I saw that one coming down the pike, I pretty much insisted. I'm like, uh, I'm doing that. And not only am I directing it, but I insisted on storyboarding the whole thing too. So um, I just really wanted ownership because uh you know, music is a big reason why I even got into animation in the first place. I was a piano player and a trumpet player. And so when I found animation and I always drew growing up too, of course. So it was kind of like, Oh, animation, this is great. It it mixes the two things I love in this beautiful way because, you know, animation is timing. It's down to the fraction of a second. It's down to the 24th, you know, of a film frame. Um, So 
Yeah. So when that musical came down, I'm like, all right. And it's funny because I'm not like a Broadway musical fan so much. I mean, they're fine, but I'm not like one of those hardcore uh, Broadway people. So it wasn't even about that aspect of it. It was just purely like just animating and timing to music is what I've always loved best, just from an animation side, you know. That is really fascinating. It it (laughs) makes me, I'm sorry, Rob. (laughs) It makes me have a new appreciation for the musical episode to think of it in that way. Of the, uh, you you know, animation and timing for music. I love it. Yeah, it was was great. It was a lot of fun. And just the songs were so funny, you know. (laughs) Just so tongue in cheek in that in that great way. Yeah, we 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 had a lot of fun talking about that one. Yes, uh, we did. <laughs> it's time to be manly, manly. It's like the best. Come on. And I mean, who who else could rhyme Lexus with solar plexus? Right. It, it must be the greatest rhyme <laughs> in the history of songwriting, if you ask me. So. <laughs> We're going to have to go back and redo our episode on the musical. We have new information to work with. Uh, um, in our, our episode by episode review, uh, when we got to season four, we noticed that there was a huge shift in just the overall look of the show. Not the design necessarily, but like kind of the the quality of the picture there uh there seemed to be like more depth of color colors were were brighter things were a bit more crisp um and also and also like various backgrounds and scenes became more and more complex was there anything that happened between seasons three and four that that led to the show having a, a having like stepped up a little bit oh yes oh yes the magic of technology the magic of the computer because, and you know, it's, if you, if you look back at early Simpsons episodes, you will find that same shift happen probably around the same time, because that is when the industry moved from film to digital. Right. So the first three seasons of Daria were done old school, right? They were inked and cell painted and shot on film under a camera and edited on film old school with a splicer and tape on a Steenbeck editing machine. And it would take (laughs) all day, an entire working day to edit one 11 minute episode because you're sitting there with the poor editor and he's having to like, literally every time you want to make a cut, pull the film out, put it over the splicer, cut it with the razor blade, tape it, put it back on the reels and then play you the cut to see if the timing works how you want it. So you had to be pretty sure. <laughs> I mean, you can always <laughs> undo the tape and make the cut again if you needed to, but you know, it, it, you had to really be a lot more decisive than, than you can afford to be today in terms of making those cuts. So it was very intensive. Um, and when you're sh- like, yeah. So when you're shooting animation, old school style on cells, um, I don't know how much you guys know about like the technical side of animation because I don't want to bore you if you already know this. But basically, you know, you got cells. If you're doing a sort of limited animation show like Daria, you would maybe have the body on one level. You might have the eyes on a different level. You might have the mouth on a different level. 
So that way, as you're animating the blinks and the expression changes and the dialogue, you know, you're not having to redraw and repaint the whole body every time. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it's very similar to what they do, like with the Leica movies, right. Where they're, you know, 3d printing different heads to pop in and out um, with the expression changes. So it's, it's, um, but you can end up with these stacks of cells. You cannot end up with like, you know, cells that are maybe six or seven layers deep, 10 layers deep. And you've just got some guy in a room, a cameraman chain smoking and <laughs> literally chain smoking as, as our overseas supervisor would tell us, dude, and, you know, putting these layers of cells on each other, sometimes wiping the dirt off, sometimes wiping the cigarette ash off, sometimes not, you know, so you can, you can see, um, on, on dark, like, like there's some, I think there was, I forget the episode, but there it's Daria, they're driving in a car, it's night. So it's this dark blue background and a, there are shots where it looks like it's snowing because of like just the dirt on the cell, just because they weren't, you know, cleaned properly. Anyway, so, so once you switch to digital ink and paint, right, it's amazing. All you got to do is feed the drawings into the scanner um, and it's all digital and it's beautiful and it's crispy and pretty. And, and, and then you're editing like in an avid, you know, you're not working on film stock anymore. You're not having to physically cut it. So, uh, yeah, it just made, it made the show look a million times better, but yeah, go check out old Simpsons episodes too. You'll see that same shift, like mid nineties. It's fascinating. That's a good point. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm thinking back to like some of the, they would, um, there's these great on the internet, they have these shots of still frames from Simpsons episodes when they were in the middle of animating, like a character moving very quickly. And mm-hmm. so they would have that like smearing effect. Right. <laughs> uh, and it was extremely prevalent in the very old episodes. Mm. Uh, and it's, I don't know, it's fascinating to to see that leap in technology. Um, yeah. Especially since so much of the show is concerned around like, you know, how how time's changed in that like five to seven year <laughs> uh, stretch of, of of time. Yeah. It was a huge, huge leap in technology. I mean- so like when I was in animation school, um, I did this, like I cell painted my films by hand, shot them on film. And I think like I could have made five films in college in the time it t- took me to make one. <laughs> like, had, had I gone to school like five years later, you know, it's, it's <laughs> quite the dramatic shift. But yeah, it, it was great. It was so nice to uh, when that finally happened for us. So we are a little over 20 years now since Daria premiered and much technology has changed (laughs) and the show uh, still has a significant following around the globe. As we've talked about before, we've heard from fans in Canada, the UK, Germany, Australia, to name a few places. Australia is all about Daria. Oh yeah. (laughs) We hear from lots of people (laughs) in Australia. (laughs) Um, So to what do you attribute that staying power? I think it's just, it's just great writing and great characters. It's like anything, right? I mean, those are the movies we remember. Those are the TV shows we remember. It's, it's characters that are believable and feel real and that you can relate to. Um, and I feel like, you know, the teen experience, of course, changes throughout the years, but at its core, it's it all comes back to the same stuff, figuring out who you are, where is your place in the world? Um, 
you know, who are you going to be? Who do you want to be? How other people see you? And Daria as a character, you know, I think is so appealing and, and so real for people because that it's that contradiction of putting out the face to the world that she doesn't care. But then of course, you know, we find out she really does care just as much as anyone, but she just handles it in a different way. Right. Oh man. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and call you on every episode we do from here on out. <laughs> well, I'm, I'll have to do research because I, <laughs> I have a shockingly bad memory. (laughs) Thus far, it does not seem like it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So not only does, does this show still have a passionate following around the globe, um, Daria herself is still held in high regard as one of the, you know, feminist icons of that era of television, like right alongside Buffy and Ellen and Blossom and uh, early days, Lisa Simpson. Um, You know, what are your thoughts on having been a part of something like that? I, you know, I'm, I'm super proud of it. Of course it's, and it's, it's a funny thing because I think it's like that for a lot of things in life. When you're in it, it's harder to appreciate it, right? When you're in Mm -hmm. it, you're just putting one foot in front of the other and just doing your job and trying to make something great and hoping people will like it. But you know, it's, you, you never can know what an impact it'll have. And, and for us too, I mean, I think that the, the most important thing for us was just keeping her honest, keeping her real. Uh, It was, it was never, it was a, how do I say this? It was, it was never about making her or Jane do typical type of girl things or even be specifically a girl, if that makes sense. I mean, Daria in a way was, was written I don't want to say gender neutral as a character, but there was a very concerted effort to not do shows. You know, you would never have a show where Daria and Jane are talking about their period. You know, (laughs) (laughs) you just, you just know, you just wouldn't like we, we very consciously just stayed away from the typical tropes. I would say as the series went on, you know, once we started getting Tom into the mix you know, and, and Daria and Jane having a bit of a triangle over him. That was maybe the most typical that things ever got. And even for me personally, there were some times where I was like, eh, is this, is this getting a little too like the norm or, or trite or, or or just what you might expect from a show about high school girls? Hmm. But, um, you know, I, I reconciled that with the fact that it's real. You know, and is and and that does happen no matter no matter how many walls you might want to put up, even as a teenager, and, and think you're above all of that stuff. You you still are a teenager, and you're still going to have those crushes and those longing longings. And um, as we saw with Daria and Trent early on, right? I mean, so we knew <laughs> she was capable of having crushes, and that was a very normal and typical thing. So, so yeah, it's. Um, I'm sorry. I'm like babbling. I forgot the original question. <laughs> you know, it was you know, about <laughs> feminism. And, no, what? <laughs> well, well, I, I wanted to say that we were, um, we come back to that point about the fact that it is real, you know, yeah. uh, 
again and again when we're like, oh, but would Daria really do this? <laughs> and we're like, no, but this is what a teenager does. <laughs> right. Um, and I mean, t- teenagers, we, but even our whole lives were unpredictable, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, you know, and, and I think we all constantly surprise ourselves as our beliefs and identities change as we grow. And I think we saw Daria do that very much. Um, so, so, so to have her stuck in season one, Daria would, as a person, wouldn't be real, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So do you have a favorite episode or favorite character? Well, of course, the musical. But uh, <laughs> besides the musical, I would say the one that, um, that I remember the most and that meant the most to me at the time was uh, Boxing Daria, for sure. Like oh, that yes. was an extremely powerful episode. And even when we were working on it, um, I think that was one you guys probably actually know better than I do. <laughs> I, I think I I think I directed part of it. Um, or we split that one up because what we would also do at the end of every season on episode 13, we would typically, um, so every show had three acts, right? You can tell where the commercial breaks are. And um, so typically on episode 13, we would use that one to give new directors a chance uh, just to have a crack at a show huh. and, and kind of test them out. Right. So typically if you look at the credits for every episode, thir- for, every, for the end of every season, you might see directed by three people. And that's usually what that was. And so I, I feel like I did all of the script notes for the whole episode for boxing Daria, but I, I, it might not, it might, we might've split it up anyway, it doesn't matter. But, but yes, that show at the time, just even doing the script notes, reading the script, doing the acting and the expression on the sheets and the timing and everything, just, I remember feeling emotional and, and getting kind of choked up in places, just even seeing the artwork coming in from the story artists and, and just the, the love that everyone was kind of putting into that one because it just broke her and opened her character up in an all new way that um, yeah. was really moving. That image of Daria just sitting in a box. <laughs> yeah. And just, and just her having that realization of, of, of maybe I've been shitty, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Like, like maybe, maybe it's not all everyone else, you know, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm culpable in, in, in some of my own misery. So. Oh yeah. man, I can't, I can't wait until we get to that episode. So that, so Nissa, that is the last episode of season five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the way that we do the podcast is I, I am watching the episodes along with our podcast episodes. So oh, cool. I have not watched past what, what, what episode are we on now? Season five episode. We're going into episode season five, three, episode three, four? fat, fat like me. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I'm not quite there yet, but now I have my eye on it. <laughs> uh, it's so cool to hear you single that out as one of your favorite episodes because that's absolutely up there with mine too. Um, yeah. Jake of Hearts was pretty powerful too. I think that's also kind of later on. Mm-hmm. And um, in terms of like funny ones, like I love, uh, oh God. You're gonna kill me. I can't remember the name. I think it's I think it's the Road Warrior, the one where uh, she goes with Trent to like Lollapalooza. Yep. 
Road Warrior. Did I get yep. that right? <laughs> you absolutely did. I think that's. I think we have that as like. um no that one that one was great again it's just it was so great to see daria so vulnerable with trent and uh and i I love the rem spoof everybody hurts as they're waiting in traffic was so good (laughs) and uh oh god that's making me think of see this is it's all coming back to me now it's making me think of um and again please help me with the title but there was the there was the one where uh she imagines herself older and married to Trent. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you remember this one? Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Was... And it was just so funny. That was just so funny to draw and do the character designs for and just, honey, I'm home. And she's like a high-powered attorney or something. And, you know, he's like <laughs> fat, drinking beer on the couch. Like <laughs> She's like, the kids need new glasses. Thick yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Anyway, so many good ones. Oh, I'm I'm like I'm blanking on the name of that episode, and it's it's bothering me quite a bit. It's okay, it's okay. It doesn't matter. You won't get extra points. It's all right. (laughs) Um, Oh man. So I guess it's my turn to ask a question, maybe, or is it yours, Rob? (laughs) Uh, I think you you had the favorite. You can go with the next one if you want. I'm totally. I'm fine with that. I'm still fanboying out over here. <laughs> All right. I'll ask another question. Um, as we mentioned earlier, uh, post Daria, you went to Blue Sky Studios, uh, mm-hmm. where you wore a bunch of hats across a bunch of films over the course of a decade and a half. Um, so can you talk about some of that experience? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, Blue Sky was great. I mean, yeah, I was there for almost 18 years. So much longer than I was ever at MTV. Wow. And it, you know, it was a sh- it was a surprising kind of switch for me because it was kind of random in a way. I you know I had had this success in TV. I'd been at MTV for eight years by the time they closed the studio, and that's what happened. By the way, they just decide MTV just decided, eh, we don't want an animation studio anymore. So that was that. So we knew it was coming. <laughs> uh, it wasn't a big surprise, but you know, you find yourself out there, kind of like, okay, what do I want to do now? And I just always imagined, well, I've built this TV career. I'm going to keep doing TV forever because, you know, it was a lot of fun. I love it. And then um, I was sort of floundering about. So Glenn hooked me up with his agent, um, which I was always like, ah, agents that just seem so like shitty and gross Hollywood <laughs> and whatever. You know, I know, but I was like, all right, you know, what do I got to lose? So they actually said, oh, there's this studio kind of up to the north of of New York city. They're up like in Westchester, which is like, you know, 30 or 40 miles uh, to the North of New York um, in white plains. And they're like, Oh yeah, they're, they just did this feature movie called ice age. And now they're staffing up, um, you know, for this movie robots and they need storyboard artists. And I thought, well, all right. I mean, I've been directing, but you know, I'll check it out. What do I have to lose? Might as well go up there and meet some people and see what's up. And and I just loved it. Everyone was so nice. Everyone was super cool. Um, and so I just gave it a shot. And then it was, it, I just fell in love with it because doing feature storyboard work, being a feature story artist is very, very different than TV production. TV production um, versus featured. With TV, you know, you've got schedules, you've got air dates to make. It is this very fast moving machine. So like every two weeks, we would ship a show out to um, our overseas studio in Korea to be animated. So 
you really didn't have a lot of time to overthink, right? You, you just kind of had to be decisive, make your decisions, board your stuff, time it out, ship it, and go on to the next episode. Whereas with a feature, you know, you're looking at typically two to three years of, of um, well, at least three years of production. The storyboarding aspect, if you're on it from start to finish, is usually around two years for 90 minutes. So it's a, it's a very different paradigm, but it was so creative in a different way. TV, you're given your script. Directors, of course, can, can add their own touch with camera angles and staging and acting choices. But again, under the umbrella of a supervising director, there's a style that you have to stick with. Um, whereas with feature storyboarding, you know, I would be given an assignment like, oh, hey, take the next week. And just think about, like, write some gags. Like, what would a robot baby do? Like, literally, that was one of my first assignments. And I was just like, really? Really? I just get to sit here for a week and just draw, like, jokes? Like, whatever weird shit pops to my mind? Like, cool. Oh, my God. That's the dream. (laughs) That sounds amazing. It was. It was. It was the dream. And I just fell in love with the place. And, yeah. So, it was was a great experience. Um, And just fantastically talented people and yeah and so it was a shame uh, that disney closed them down you know we were all hoping that that would not be the case and that they would you know uh believe enough i guess or 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 hope you know just utilize the talent you had hundreds of incredibly talented people up there and um yeah, I guess they just decided they didn't need a third feature animation studio, which was it was a fear that everyone had from uh, the beginning of that whole takeover. So it's mm-hmm. just sad it ended that way. But it was a great time. And uh, yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, there's, there's some amazing stuff came out of there. I, I know I, I mentioned uh, I mentioned to you at one point that like Ice Age and Rio <laughs> in particular, where they uh, brought me in mind quite a number of... Uh, Quite a number of laughs. Oh, good. <laughs> so, uh, good deeply good. appreciated that. And of course, like the Peanuts movie, like just seeing seeing those characters animated in that style, uh, it was fascinating. Uh, it, was, it was just such a like pitch perfect way of portraying Peanuts <laughs> on a movie screen, like as well as it could be done. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I, I don't want to like take up more of your time. I So I worked on I, that. I and... have all the time in the world. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I'm enjoying this. No, so um, so that was that was particularly cool uh, because so the Schultz family was very heavily involved in the movie. You know the the Craig Schultz, who was Charles Schultz's son, and then his grandson Brian. They actually wrote the script. They had a lot of creative control, which I think was amazing because they were very much a part of keeping it again like a supervising director, right? Like keeping it true to Peanuts. So not they were not going to let anything happen with those characters that old Sparky Charles Schultz himself uh, would have (laughs) disapproved of. Right. So I was lucky because I actually live out in the Bay area in California. I was storyboarding remotely. The Schultzes were up in Santa Rosa, which is like two hours North of my house. So the blue sky directors would fly out to work with the Schultzes. I would drive up from my house. So about once a month, I would spend a week with the Schultz family in the same building where Charles Schultz drew peanuts for 40 years. And we would sit around oh, the table, uh, storyboarding live with like his son and his grandson and wow. with them looking, 
which was terrifying because <laughs> I'm sitting there trying, drawing Charlie Brown. And then there's like a Schultz over my shoulder looking at me and I'm just like, Oh God, <laughs> I hope I'm not messing this up, but they were wonderful. They were the loveliest people. And, um, I, that was definitely, I think one of the highlights of my career, uh, just having that experience on that movie with them. So yeah, it's, uh, very different from Daria, but it's it's funny where uh, where the roads of life can take you. Yeah, I remember being a very little kid and drawing Snoopy over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, hearing that, yeah, totally. It's, again, the dream. Yeah, talk <laughs> about fanboying. I mean, my God, like I can <laughs> I could not control myself. It was it was great. <laughs> Uh, so it was announced in, in 2019 that Jodie Landon was going to be mm-hmm. getting her own spinoff show with Tracy Ellis Ross as the executive producer and voice of uh, the overachieving pragmatist. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's it like for you as, as an artist and a director to see part of the Daria story kind of take on new life? Um, you know, do you expect to have any kind of role in the spinoff? And, and um, you know, what are your hopes for, for a new series? You know, it's um, it's exciting. I'm glad they're doing it. I think uh, Jody was always a great character, and certainly um, in today's times, it's super important to elevate different voices. And I think she absolutely deserves a show, and I'm I'm excited to see what they do with it. You know, it's uh, I don't think any of the original Daria creators were invited to be a part of it, and. You know, I, I understand it. I get it. I'm not put out by it or anything. I think because um, it's not Daria. If it was a pure Daria reboot, then mm-hmm. that would it would just give me pause for concern. Again, just only in the sense of are they going to do it right? You know, because you can watch the old episodes and you can study it, you know, to your heart's content. But but there's a there's a certain magic when you get a crew together and they're making something and honestly, you know, Daria is Glenn Eichler. Glenn was the writer, the creator. He's her voice. I mean, he was the showrunner. He, you know, of course there was a staff of writers writing episodes, but I think ultimately it was, it was Glenn probably took every single script that came through and practically rewrote it himself. I mean, he, (laughs) <laughs> he was, he was, and is, and will always be Daria. So to, you know, to, if it was a full reboot, I would be concerned if he wasn't involved, but because it's Jody, and because it's Tracy Ellis Ross, who I love. And I was actually, <laughs> I was, she was one of my dream casting choices uh, for a movie I was working on at Blue Sky, actually. So I've watched her and researched her actually for the past couple of years. I love her. And I think she's going to do it justice and i think it's going to be great so i wish them well and you know uh i think i think it's going to be good yeah we're definitely looking forward to it yeah awesome um so as far as um you know what's next for you i know you know blue sky studios just you know shut down recently Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but you know is is there anything that you're you know planning on or working on or anything like that yeah you know i honestly have just been kind of taking this past pandemic year to just 
be with my kids, you know, and help them out through this. They're fully at home doing remote school. And, uh, you know, they, they, they need me there during the day. So it's just not really the greatest time yeah. <laughs> in the, in the state like of the, the world. the rest of us. <laughs> totally. No, it is, it is crazy. And you have to make these choices and, you know, it, it's not so bad because I have been working my tail off since I was 21 years old. And if you want to count college since I was 18 years old, you know, without a break and just working nonstop. So the pandemic definitely forced me to, to step back and chill out for a bit and just kind of take that space to, to think about what's next. And I think where I am right now is I, I don't know at all. I have honestly no idea. And it, it feels great, you know, in a very weird way. It feels so good to just, for the first time in so long, not be stressing about it. I, I think all that matters to me next is I just want to work on stuff that I love, you know, stuff that speaks to my heart. I've been really lucky to be able to work on on stuff like that. You know, I've I've not really ever had a job where I felt like I had to slog through you know, and, and grit my teeth for the sake of a paycheck. You know, I've, I've, I've loved everything I've done. So, so that's all that matters. You know, it's, it's finding the right project and the right mix of people because that matters too. I've also been very lucky to work with really just sweet, wonderful, amazing people who aren't jerks, you know? So, so <laughs> those are my well, standards it, whatever form it takes whatever show movie tv like maybe i'll yeah. write a novel i don't know <laughs> well if anybody deserves a break and that time and space it's you you've done, you've done a lot <laughs> thank you yes ha <laughs> trying to picture rolling out rolling straight out of college into mtv studios at the age of 21 <laughs> and just was, not stopping from there yeah. yeah. No, that, that has, that has been it. I mean, I took minor breaks when I birthed some children, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but not long. And the, yeah, as we know, that's not a break at all. Oh no. <laughs> it is not a break. So, so yeah, this is, this is uh it's a, it's a, it's a weird and wonderful time we'll say. Uh, and I'm, the sky's the limit. Any, anything is possible at this point. Who knows? Oh, that is so cool. Um, so I think that was uh, just about everything we had. Was there anything else that you'd want to you'd want to say, or anything you'd want to uh, note to you know fans of of the show who are listening? Hmm. Um. No. I mean, you guys were super thorough. I, I can't think of any <laughs> any other little tidbits that um, that might be interesting. There's no deep dark secrets or. <laughs> Oh, we should <laughs> we didn't ask about deep dark secrets yeah <laughs> dark we should have had some dirt digging questions man yeah 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 no there were there were no big scandals that i can think of uh, <laughs> yeah no we we you know we just we were lucky it was a great crew we we had a really good time um doing it and just with with lots of love i think i think the most interesting for, thing for me is like you were touching on the continued popularity of the show. And at the time, we just didn't know it. We had no idea how many people we were reaching because 
we were not really the popular child at the studio, right? Mm -hmm. So there was Beavis going on, which of course was crazy, crazy popular and well-known and this cult classic. And, and then there were other shows going on that were decidedly cooler. Let's say there was um, Chris Pernosky's downtown, which was very hip and and cool looking. And uh, you know, you had celebrity death match going on. You had Syphil and Ollie was in there somewhere. Syphil and Ollie. I don't know if they shot where we were on our floor. I I think they were. Yeah. That was an animation. That was. Those puppets. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think what else. But anyway, and also, you know, even within the artists at the studio, I, I, you know, I think animation, less so these days. I think the, the people going into animation now, so many more women than when I was going into it. Um, it's just a much more diverse set of interests. But, you know, back, I think, at MTV, a lot of the animators were, were you know, just very much like, ah, oh, you know, comic book guys and car chases and, and, you know, sci-fi and and space battles and just more exciting stuff. Like I think a lot of people go into animation for the chance to just do wild and, and crazy cartoony stuff. Right. And I certainly did too. You know, I don't, I don't put myself out of that category at all. Daria was decidedly a non- and not exciting for animators show. <laughs> you know, it, it was very flat. There wasn't a ton of movement. It wasn't cartoony at all. And, and so even I think at MTV to work on Daria was not like the, the cool show to be working on. And, you know, that we didn't have Facebook. We didn't have Twitter at that time. This was early days of the internet. There were some fan sites out there, but there wasn't the way to interact with fans like there is today. And it was just a couple of sites. So we there just we had no way of knowing uh, the reach, you know, and how popular it was. And it actually wasn't until I was working at Blue Sky. And then I started and I was in my 30s by then. And I started working with adults, grown adults in their 20s, but who had grown up on Daria, who had been teens when it was on. And that was the first inkling I had that it was more popular than any of us even knew. Right. Because mm-hmm. they would come up to me and be like, oh, you worked on Daria. Oh, my God. You know, like, like, and I'd be like, I'd be like, oh, yeah. Oh, you know, you've heard of it. And they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? And Right. So 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 that was really the first um, hint I ever had. And then, of course, as the years go on, uh, you know, it, you, you finally just realize not only the love that it had back then, but the continued support. And actually, so Susie, uh, Susie Lewis, who, of course, was the creator and, and producer and, and very much set the tone at the beginning. She's been very active on Instagram these days. She goes mining the web for Daria tributes and fan stuff and, and things that people are doing. And she she'll always put them up on Instagram with like a thousand hashtags. So she's a good one to follow if you uh, if you want to. Want some some of the Daria scoop? She's a girl in a box, I think, on Instagram. And I've been thinking about putting up some stuff too. I've been going through my stuff in storage uh, and just finding like 
like the original designs, like just the pencil sketches. And so I Oh, that'd be so I cool. I would love to see that. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking I might just start throwing I like I don't I'm I'm a lurker on Twitter. Like I think I've tweeted 10 times in the past 10 years. Like I'm just I'm kind of private when it comes to social media and stuff, but you know, now that I'm seeing there's some interest, maybe maybe it'd be fun for people to see like some of the old stuff. Totally. Some of the gag oh, drawings. That'd be so cool. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, we we hear every now and then from like some of the some of the fans who have reached out to us are people who were born like as the show was airing. Sure. <laughs> like we heard one of our one of the people who wrote in was 18 and I was like you you were born in the 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's that timeless thing you guys were talking about. I think uh you know, regardless of whether they're tweeting or on cell phones in the show, it, it, it you know, the same Teen problems apply, you know, hasn't changed all that yeah. much. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, I think that, uh, I think that wraps it up for, for our portion. Um, I, I, again, want to extend my deepest, <laughs> most sincere thank you for, uh, for joining us. Uh, this has been absolutely awesome. Thank you so much. And yeah. No, week, it was like, not great. Only, not only as a fan of the show, but also just like as someone who has been doodling and drawing and cartooning since they were little, um, being able to talk to a professional artist who, you know, worked on a show that I really, really like is, uh, is a hell of an opportunity. Uh, and, Aww, and well, I very much appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no, it was great. Um, and yeah, just, uh, yeah. Hit me up if you have any, uh, other, other questions burning in your mind. I'm, I'll shoot you a DM. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> Seriously, I'm not working. You right just now. made. I really, I really don't have anything to do. <laughs> tune in next. Tune in next week for when Karen Disher blocks me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> uh, 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 thank you so much uh, for joining us. Like I said, cannot express it enough. Um, and thank you to. Everyone out there listening, uh, hopefully you've enjoyed it as much as we have. Uh, we will be back here again next week to cover season five, episode three, Fat Like Me, uh, here on Morgan Dorks.